Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, guest podcast editor for pediatrics. Dr. Parker is director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. She also is a professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University Medical Center. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. Today is Sunday, February 18th, 2007. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. In our podcast today, we will be speaking with Susan Bratton, MD, MPH, about an article published in the September 2006 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine, Physician Experience with Family Presence During Pediatric Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation. Dr. Bratton is Professor of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine at the University of Utah, and we are happy to have her with us today. The reference for this article is Pediatric Critical Care Medicine, 2006, Volume 7, pages 428 to 433. Dr. Bratton, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Having family members present during resuscitation is a rather recent phenomenon that is receiving increasing attention. Pediatric resuscitations are difficult for everyone, and there's a lot of debate as to whether being present during CPR is beneficial for families. This article reports a survey of physicians, mostly emergency medicine or pediatric critical care physicians, about their experiences and attitudes about family presence during CPR in children. Dr. Bratton, can you give us some background and an overview of the study? What did you do and why did you do it? Well, it was very interesting. Um, with um, current organizations recommending allowing family presence and that being so foreign to physicians, we got um, together a survey that we debuted on some ICU providers and then sent to people that were uh, listed in the American Academy of Pediatrics section for pediatric critical care, section for um, emergency medicine, and then the American College of Emergency Medicine um, uh, adult providers. And we mailed the survey out to about 1,200 um, people, and we got about a 50% response rate. And we had both um, categorical or more, excuse me, more Likert questions, and then we had text questions on their attitudes of how frequently they had uh, allowed pa families to be present, what their attitudes were toward it, if they thought it was helpful, if they thought there were special circumstances that, that uh, made it more helpful or less helpful for families, and what they thought the logistics of all this were. You know, because you know, do you need a nurse or a social worker or someone to be with the family? Would family members become unruly? Uh, would they impede CPR? Would it be a medical liability issue? What did you find that you thought was interesting or surprising in this study? What I thought was the most surprising is that the vast majority of people in this survey uh, of, so it was, you know, ICU and ED survey, so not general pediatricians, over 80% of them knew of family presence in CPR in their institutions, and also over 80% of them had personal experience with it. 
And so that was much more common than anything that had been previously reported. And the other thing was is that over 90% of them said that under certain circumstances, they thought it was a, that they would allow families to be present. So that was by far the most physician support that anyone had reported thus far. What did you find that was not so surprising? What we found that was not surprising was that in most institutions or in most circumstances that the physician was in charge, that there weren't hospital policies saying that you have to do this you, or you can't do this, so that the physician was generally in charge. Um, the other thing that wasn't surprising to me was that the um, although... Uh, a, a slight majority of physicians thought that it was helpful to families. There was a lot of divergence of opinion. You know, a third of about a third of providers thought that in some circumstances it was good, in some circumstances it was bad, and then a minority of providers thought it was always bad. And then the other thing that I thought also, being an ICU physician, that was not unusual is that there were just different circumstances relative to the patient. So, you know, the chronically ill child, the, the, you know, like the oncology patient or the patient who'd been through a lot, you know, the parents were um, more medically sophisticated and um, more used to us. Whereas, you know, I could see from the emergency physician's perspective, you know, the acute trauma victim, you know, there's all this going on, the family's naive, you know, it, it, it would be difficult. And then the other thing that the providers really emphasize that if we want to offer this at our hospital, that the hospital has to provide infrastructure to, to allow pr provision of it so that, so that there's a person appointed to be with the family so that that's not just another additional responsibility that the providers have in addition to s dealing with the stressful situation. I think most pediatric critical care staff would agree that having someone, a staff member, assigned to support the family is very important um, to successfully have family members present during CPR. Do you have suggestions on how to make that happen? Do you know, that's I, I, I have no idea how to make that happen in the emergency room. It's such a chaotic situation. I think in the ICU it's much easier in that, you know, at least in the ICUs where I've worked, there are extra nurses. We don't always have a social worker in-house. Certainly during the day, if, you know, the, I don't know if we have planned arrests, but, you know, the evolving situation, you know, you can get a person there. Um, but I, I think it's a challenge. I, I think sometimes it could be the chaplain, but once again, the chaplain's not always there. So it seems like the routine person would have to be a nursing uh, person to allow that. But I have to say, in my personal experience, it's always fairly ad hoc. I would agree with that. In my experience also, it's quite ad hoc because of the unpredictability of the events and very often is, is a nursing st staff member. Um, are there factors relating to the children or their families that make the families more or less likely to want to be present? You did mention the kind of chronically ill child. Um, are there other factors that make healthcare providers more or less comfortable in having a family member present? Well, you know, we, we surveyed the providers rather than the parents, and so we only have the impressions of what the providers thought. You know, the things that they, that did not seem to be associated with it with the child's age, it seemed to be much more the medical condition of the child, so the chronicity of the, of the child's illness. Um, and then a, a number of providers also spoke about like if the uh, if pr invasive procedures needed to occur. So so if if you know the child that's intubated that has lines in, that basically is just the start of CPR, which 
um, you know, I, I guess for us seems less invasive and, and you know, less potentially upsetting, whereas, you know, the child that needs to get intubated and might throw up with intubation and then needs to, you know, it doesn't have an IV and someone's trying to get vascular access, those seem to be deterrents. The other thing that was a deterrent uh, was the um, experience of the provider. So if you have, you know, one of the residents running CPR you know, that you're trying to instruct. And, and, and that was something that people identified as a need to teach providers. But, you know, just like the person with 15 years experience that everything goes very slick would be much more at peace <laughs> than, than, you know, than the person who's doing this for the first or second time or that you're supervising somebody trying to get control of the airway. So those seem to be factors that were related, but we really don't know what the parents think. So what other issues need to be explored with regards to family presence during CPR? Well, I, I think this is really just an area that's coming into, into focus. Um, I think that, you know, ideally we should look at it from the perspective of the patient, which I think will be very hard. I mean, if you look at the outcomes of CPR, I mean, they're, they're better than they used to be, but that's not going to be very possible. But certainly we shouldn't do things to harm the child. And so if we as providers are anxious or perform less well, um, you know, with the new guidelines emphasizing, you know, rapid, faster, harder CPR, you know, it looks fairly violent. And if people don't do as good a job for whatever multiplicity of reasons, then that seems like that's harming the patient and that should be the number one um, thing that we should avoid. I think as far as families, you know, there are very limited surveys of families who have either had a child die with CPR or had a child survive. And, you know, we need to find out, you know, are we giving them peace? Do they feel like everything was done? Does it help them in their grieving process? Or are we just giving them horrific last memories of their child? And, you know, all that information doesn't really exist. And then I think that the effect on providers is something that we should consider too. And that if we make these, you know, very, very stressful situations even more stressful than, you know, I think we have to weigh that in on, on you know, what family presence is going to mean. This month's critical care medicine includes an article um, with guidelines on incorporating families into the decision-making process. How does that, how do those guidelines relate to the issue of family presence during CPR and um, what are your thoughts on that issue. Well, I, I think you know the um, this, the society had a task force that examined a number of issues on uh, patient-centered care, and this was one of the issues. And the got and the recommendation, I believe, was a C recommendation, saying that there needed to be further research. And that's from a society that takes care of both adult and medical trauma patients and pediatric patients. You know, the other organizations that have endorsed this have been more pediatric focused, such as the American Heart Association's PALS guidelines, the AAP, and the section of uh, pediatric emergency medicine, as well as a number of nursing organizations. But I think it's just showing us that our focus from physician deciders to more of a duality in, in deciding medical care for our patients is shifting. And so I think that all providers need to, you know, kind of look into this continuum of how we're going to provide things that are, are patient and family centered 
rather than things that we might necessarily be comfortable with. And so I, I think for critical care providers in general, I think it's certainly on the horizon and we're all going to be learning more about it. I think, you know, the final word on family presence and CPR certainly isn't, isn't spoken as yet. It sounds like we have a lot of work to do uh, in this area in part of the, the um, family-centered care. Uh, and probably part of that is going to relate to figuring out which families it is appropriate for them to be present and which it isn't. Um, do you have any thought, final last thoughts on how to make those distinctions with what knowledge we currently have? Well, I think, it, I think it's something that um, I guess we all have gestalts on what families want and don't want. I think it's certainly something in the pediatric ICU with open units and you know, not asking parents to step out for procedures, that it's certainly going to stick out more if we say, you need to leave now. Um, but I think we also have to be um, supportive of families who don't want to be present, you know, and, just, and to, to not make it a litmus test of you're a good parent or a bad parent, uh, that you're present. And I, I, think, I think we're just going to have to try to be sensitive. I, I don't have a good answer. I, I think different cultures and, and personal preferences are just going to vary. Thank you very much, Dr. Bratton. Oh, it was a pleasure. We've been speaking today with Susan L. Bratton, MD, MPH, Professor of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine at the University of Utah, about the article, Physician Experience with Family Presence During Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation in Children. This includes our, concludes our podcast for February 18, 2007. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please call the Society of Critical Care Medicine's audio feedback line at 1-847-493-6498 to share your thoughts. Pediatric Critical Care Medicine is the official journal of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, offering the latest information about critical care to healthcare professionals as well as continuing education credit. Members of the pediatric section receive PCCM as a member benefit. For more information, visit www.sccm.org. I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Thanks again for listening. Discover successful strategies on how to achieve the maximum benefits of nutrition therapy at the 6th Summer Conference in Intensive Care Medicine, Nutrition as a Therapeutic Agent to Improve Critical Care Outcomes, to be held June 14th through the 16th, 2007, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Developed by the Society of Critical Care Medicine and the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine, this conference will cover topics such as the benefits and limitations of select nutrients successful strategies involved in enteral and parenteral nutrition therapy, and similarities and differences in international nutrition guidelines. Register today by visiting www.sccm.org or calling 1-847-827-6888.